This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another episode of the Love and Reality Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, I sat down with the father-son duo, Jeff and Hunter Langer, who are contestants on the USA hit series, Race to Survive Alaska. The competition along the wild and dangerous Alaskan coastline, adventure racers and survival experts must endure more than 100 miles of inhospitable terrain with nothing but what they can carry to claim a life-changing $500,000. I sat down with the father-son combination to talk about why they went on the show, what they learned about themselves on the show, and what were some of the biggest things that they had to challenge themselves in throughout the entire race. I hope you enjoy this interview. And make sure to check out new episodes of Race to Survive Alaska on USA After Raw on Mondays. I'd like to welcome to the show contestants on the USA hit reality show Race to Survive Alaska, the father and son duo of Jeff and Hunter. How are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah, glad to talk about all this. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. Easy question first. Obviously, who came across the idea of trying out for the show and what was that conversation like? I came across it first. Somebody reached out to me. Hey, Hunter, you're all about doing extreme races and stuff. This is your ultimate challenge. You should sign up. And I was like, I'm in totally. This is exactly what I want to do. And I get a chance to win money. Great. Like, so instantly I was like, all right, who's my teammate going to be? I have Olympic triathlete teammates. I have top adventure races in the world. And I chose my dad. My dad has been retired for three years. And when I approached him about it, he was like, what the heck are you talking about? Why me? Like, I'm out of shape. I haven't been racing for three years, but I knew I could trust him. When it, we're talking about a 40 day race for somebody, I don't know if I could trust a Olympic triathlete that might flip out on me halfway through, but I could trust my dad because we've done hundreds of races together and he's still freak flipped out on me. So it's okay. <laughs> but it was, it was a right choice. It was a right choice. Uh, Jeff, what were your hesitations going into it? Oh, my hesitations. Um, well, leaving my two companies behind without communication with them for that length of the time that we were gone, the eight weeks um, that was kind of difficult because we had no cell phones. We had nothing. We were on our own. So that was a little difficult for me. That was my first hesitation. Then the second hesitation was, I'm going to slow Hunter down. I mean, if, if we're going to try to win this thing, um, I'm not the best teammate. I mean, I'm going to, there's no doubt that I'm going to slow him down. I've been retired from racing. Um, and I've been focusing on putting on my own races for other people. So I'm like, I'm, I'm too busy and that was my that was that was my biggest hesitation was was slowing him down. What was the preparation like for you guys kind of heading into it? Did you guys try to do things or did you guys not eat as much or what was that like for you guys? Yeah, luckily, like our whole lives, we've been doing it for 15 years of inch racing. So it's kind of just slowly working our way up to something this big. But this was unlike anything we've ever done, as in we're used to having food and a bunch of teammates spectators around this was on our own no food 
heavy backpacks with no trails or anything. So like training wise, we didn't know we were going to Alaska until three days before we went. So we got a plane ticket and we're like, oh, I guess we're going to Alaska. So we didn't have much time to prepare for exactly what to expect, but we knew it was going to be extreme, long survival adventure race. So a lot of it came down to training with heavy backpacks. I trained with two backpacks because if I had to carry my dad's backpack, great. And also starving ourselves of like, I would fast for two to three days because I know if I get out there and I can't find food for a week, I'll be perfectly fine. Yeah, I like that. And, and what kind of conversation, Jeff, to you, what kind of conversations did you have with Hunter? And what was it like kind of like, who's going to take the, you know, who's going to take the lead or was there conversations like that? And then of course, kind of like the mindset of, you know, also maybe wanting to protect your son at the same time while you're out in the wilderness. Yeah, I think the protection kind of switched. He was more protecting me. He was continuously, every time I fell, he was like, yeah, are you okay? Are you okay? He was so worried about me. I'm like, what are you worried about me for? You're the kid, you know? But um, no, we, our conversations were pretty much the same as we typically do before an event, before a race, was like identifying our roles. Um, I, you know, I talked about, I would be the lead navigator um, and Hunter would be the mule, which is typically what he is. And the mule is the person that, carries the most weight he looks out for others he's the the front guy that's you know making the trails he's the mule so we we kind of agreed to that because what we wanted to do was we wanted to put more weight in his on his back than on mine so his pack was about 10 pounds heavier than mine because he was carrying some of the mandatory gear typically in our races uh, we don't carry overnight gear we don't carry gear that we would need to build a shelter or axes or or you know tarps or anything like that or sleeping bags we we don't typically carry that so our packs were a lot larger and heavier than we were used to um, as you can kind of see in the first episode heavy packs is a bad thing um, and especially then trying to run or move through that type of terrain. So this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We just had these conversations about that. Then our biggest conversation was, we're vegetarians. Uh, what are we going to eat? So we didn't know where we were going again until three days before. So immediately I was like, what can you eat in Alaska? What berries, what mushrooms, what plants, what things? And then it was like, well, the most amazing thing that really caught us by surprise was all these copycats, like this mushroom you can eat, but this one is identical in look and size and you can't eat. Same thing with this plant. So that was kind of the hard part about preparing for Alaska. One of the things I liked about the show was the 12 hour, 12 hours on 12 hours off portion of it. Right. You know what I mean? Obviously it gave you guys the opportunity to get to where you needed to go, but also kind of give you time for that downtime. How did you decide to strategically use the 12 hours on and the 12 hours off to your advantage? Yeah. Like all of the adventure races we do is 24 hours a day for a week long. There's no breaks. You choose when you want to take a break. So coming into this, like, I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't just a nonstop race. And I was like, oh, 12 hours on, 12 hours off. That's going to be so much easier. It ended up being so much harder because 
you have to set up, you can't just sit in a bush for 12 hours. You actually have to make a comfortable sleeping arrangement, get comfortable and eat some food that could potentially make you super sick um, that you kind of just keep racing. And our strength is really just suffering. So for a 24 hour race clock, we knew we could push nonstop and beat everybody. But now this whole wrench in the plans of 12 hours on 12 hours off. So it was a totally different strategy of, okay, push as hard as we can for 12 hours. And then 12 hours, it's all focused on recovery, getting good night's sleep and setting ourselves up for the next race leg. Yeah, it actually made navigation a little tricky too, because around the 11 hour mark, I'm having to look for, I mean, and when I mean, when that clock stops, you have to stop wherever you are. So if we're in the middle of a ravine or if we're up on top of a mountain, which is never good, um, you know, any situation you're in, you got to stop right there and you get like a 50 yard radius to find a spot to camp. So from a navigator side, I had to figure out, well, for one, I need water. We're going to need water. So I'm always having to look at that 11 hour mark and go, all right, well, I need to target where we need to end up in the next hour so that we have to stop. So I need to be close by water so we can have a water source. I need some flat ground because I like flat ground better than a hillside. We can't be up on a cliff. We can't be up on the top of the mountain because the wind is too, it's colder and it's wind. There's rain every freaking day there. So there was all these things that I had to plan for for navigation. It made it kind of tricky for that 12-hour window. Uh, what was kind of that biggest obstacle that you didn't see coming um, when that race kind of started? The biggest, oh God, the biggest obstacle was definitely the food. Like yeah, being food. vegetarians, they always say, never be a vegetarian when you're going to Survivor Show because you can't live off of just plants and berries and stuff and mushrooms. We were like, maybe we should try it. We should give it a try and see if it's, we could change the game. But um, nope. So we'll see how that plays out with um, living off just berries and blueberries and stuff. Um, but that was definitely the challenge of opening those rations and everybody was cheering. Oh my God, it's clams and mussels. So good. And I was like, no, this is like the worst thing ever. I've never had this. My dad's never had shellfish either. So it's like, how are we going to react to this? We're pushing all out today. And then at the end of the day, our stomach's going to be so hungry and empty. And the only thing we have are these canned clams and mussels. And it's like, that was um, the biggest hurdle. And it will be future. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and again, it didn't last very long. It's a very small portion. It was just enough to get you through like the first day. And it wasn't a lot. So protein intake was a big issue for us trying to figure out how we're going to get that Plenty of plants, berries, bushes, all kinds of things that we were able to eat and mushrooms, but it was the protein, you know, trying to build that up so we could have sustainable energy throughout the event. Uh, Jeff, on this journey, do you think that it strengthened your relationship with Hunter? Um, no, it's actually separated us. We don't even talk anymore. This is the first time I've seen him since, since the show started. <laughs> No, you know, we have already pretty much had an, uh, a really tight bond through all of our other adventures. And I think that this strengthened it in the sense that I did realize over the period of time that I was with him that he has definitely grown into being a, um, a full adult and he can make his own decisions and he is correct on a lot of his decisions and he makes really smart decisions. You know, as a kid, he was just, you know, winging it and having fun. So to see him develop um, was probably the best experience for me. Hunter, question to you. What's something you learned about yourself throughout this journey? 
exactly what my dad just said of before this, I was just the guy that would just follow along my dad and little kid, just listen to him no matter what. And just didn't know what I was doing in a sense. I, I yes, I've done hundreds of races, but I was just following his lead. But now through this experience, it kind of taught me, man, I kind of know what I'm doing out here. I could lead a team. I could do a lot more. And that taught me to just have the confidence in myself to, yeah, be a leader instead of just a follower. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money. 